0: Welcome to China Tech Talk, the weekly discussion of technology and startups here in China. I am John Artman, editor in chief of TechNode, and as always, I'm joined by Matthew Brennan, founder of China Channel. So this week we're talking with Edith Young, managing partner at Five Hundred Startups, um, and it's, it's it's actually really it's really cool to to get I think our first VC. Onto, onto the show. Um, I've, kn- I've known Edith for about a year now. Um, she's been pretty active um, with startups and investing, as you might expect, um, in China and in Southeast Asia and kind of looking at projects um, around the world. Uh, and so it was really cool to get her on the show and talk a little bit about what she's paying attention to, as well as giving some advice to startups, um, both in China and outside of China.
1: Hmm, yeah, it has Actually, uh, I don't think that's deliberate, right? I mean, we can get more VCs on, um, and probably this year we will. Um, usually, they've, you know, they've, they're pretty well informed people and have some uh, some interesting things to say, interesting perspectives, uh, given what they have to do on a daily basis. And that's what we talked to Edith about. You know, what she's doing on a daily basis, and uh, she seems to be quite focused on uh, on the blockchain area, um, which. Is really hot right now, and um, yeah, I think she's uh, she's also pretty excited and got some really good insight into the differences between the states and and Chinese uh, startup ecosystems and the sort of strengths and weaknesses of of both. So um, again, lots of insights in this one, I think. Yeah,
0: totally. I mean, I, I I'm a bit jealous of uh, of venture capital people in general uh, because a lot of their time is just uh, as I say just, but a lot of their time is doing research and and learning um, because you know you really have to be you have to understand you know the technology and the trends to actually make uh, good investment decisions and so you're investing in companies that actually have a chance number one of of surviving uh, number two um, you know. Be being you know the next the next uh the next big thing but with that we give you edith young well edith thank you so much for taking the time to join us today
2: hey thank you for having me john.
0: so so yeah can you give us uh, a brief introduction to yourself you know um, a bit of background um on how you got to where you are today and also what you're doing right now
2: yeah sounds great uh thank you for having me john uh, my name is Edith Young. I'm a partner at 500 Startups. Uh, 500 Startup is the world's most active early s- stage investor in the world. Um, we started out in Silicon Valley, and now we are literally in over 20 different countries, actively supporting the local community. Um, for for me, I actually started as a developer uh, many many years ago, and I worked in a company called Siebel, uh, is a CRM company. Uh, Oracle bought SIBO, so I went to Oracle. After Oracle, I went to Autodesk. Autodesk make AutoCAD. So after 10 years enterprise software, I thought this life is short, enterprise is super boring, and I decided to start my own company. My first company was actually a media uh, company um, in San Francisco. And and I was literally just like turn a meetup group, a hobby into a conference from 10 to 100 to 300 to 800 was the largest conference I put together, uh, plus a team of writers. Then I realized, you know, building something like TechNote and TechCrunch is just so hard. So I, um, through my conference, I met an amazing entrepreneur from China. His name is Yong Yang, and he started Dolphin Browser. And at the time, I was actually in San Francisco, and Dolphin actually was a all-Chinese team, but didn't. All the users were outside of China. And, and Yongji basically recruited me to, to run all the non-China business. And that's how I actually got into the whole Chinese startup scene. Because before that, I was in a Bay Area the whole time. Um, long story short, we grew Dolphin Browser from a zero to 150 million install. And three years ago, we sold it to a uh, gaming company called Changyou based out of Beijing. Which we continue to be great friends, and Dolphin still running independently. That's when I joined 500 startups. So, and my focus now at 500 is actually quite similar to what I used to do at Dolphin, except now I'm not operating; instead, uh, I'm investing. Um, but I'm totally cite the fact that there's so many amazing Chinese teams, even compared to five six years ago, that from day one they they're thinking about you know going global and Want to conquer the world, so just really happy to be here at, at this point in time.
0: Mm. And so I'm, I'm really curious because this is something that I think happens um, more, more and more often these days. Is that transition from entrepreneur into into VC into investor. Um, and so, you know, when, when you were talking with 500 startups, you know, what was that conversation like? I mean, and what was it that really kind of pulled you from, from being an entrepreneur into an
2: investor? I think that particularly for early stage, which by the way, I think knowing what I know now, I, I definitely, well, first off, I was doing some angel investing before and I really wanted to, you know, like, I think. Investing, which I thought at the time shouldn't be that much of a difference between angel investing versus running a fund. The truth is, is it's actually very, very different Mm. because we are responsible for a lot of other investors who supported us. But the reason why I was attracted to 500 was because most of the Silicon Valley VC firms really don't care about international companies. Like they... Most of the VC friends I have in the Valley are happy to invest. Um, you know, any companies that they can drive to. Like if you're telling them a China story or, or Southeast <laughs> Asia story, they care less. Um, Five hundred really is the only one that truly want to build ecosystems around the world and really wanted to help and support and believe that you know China will be the future, Southeast Asia will be future, maybe even Africa. Um, you know, Silicon Valley is a is a mindset. It's not just a place. And unfortunately, a lot of my VC friends locally in the valley don't really care that much. So I I felt like oh, I finally found some uh, you know a group of people that sort of like minded and support this thesis that you know you could be somewhere else and still be able to build a like global business regardless of where you're from.
1: Is that mindset not changing a little bit now, Edith? Like, surely they must recognize China is having, you know, has lots of great ideas and opportunities also. Um,
2: I think that, yeah, and, and recently there's a lot of heated discussion uh, comparing, you know, China versus U.S. And mm, I, I, yeah. I made a comment the other day in a conference that, you know, sometimes I guess, if I say, hey, China versus U.S., get people excited because it sounds like you're creating news, you know, like you there's an like enemy. Um, and sure. I have to say, like, the truth is most of the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs or investors, they are, they started to have a little bit more awareness. Um, and I think actually really started with Alibaba when IPO. And I still, I can guarantee you 99% of the people in Silicon Valley don't even know what Taobao is. They know what Alibaba is, but they have no idea why Tencent or Ali and never actually even bother to spend time to play with the product. And versus most of my Chinese investor friends or entrepreneurs, they know what is going on in Silicon Valley better than most of the people go in Silicon Valley. Um, so, so right. as much as I think now there's awareness of wow you know China, China market is so amazing and strong, I think many of the folks in the US still don't really bother that much to really learn, um, which is something that uh, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago Michael Morris wrote I think is an amazing, awesome article on Financial Times about Silicon Valley mm. people now needs to wake up and I actually really agree with his viewpoint. But, but even that, I've been seeing a lot of heated discussion, even among some of the people that I really respect that didn't agree with what he said. Um, so it's, I think still it's still going to take some time to get to the point where we're truly respect and learning from each other rather than just picking fights.
1: That article was the one, was that the one about uh, 996 as well, the, the, the working oh, yes. culture?
2: Um. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Is that the same one i'm thinking of yeah so yeah uh, that yeah i mean i think the stuff in that was is is fairly obvious to anyone who spent time on the ground in china um in in the startup scene um that the pace is just much faster and there's a uh, i totally agree with what you said there's a huge like asymmetry of knowledge uh between the two places um but yeah, but part of me says, you know, this has to change, and uh, it's uh, it can't keep going yeah, on like this. I completely
2: this. agree, and I think that, I think I think more and more Americans are actually getting a little bit more defensive, rather than, they still like to, particular US media, like to paint a picture, or well, it's, hey, the Chinese are still copycats, and that is so not the case anymore. and and the only reason they're still saying that because they don't actually even understand or bother to learn what's going on in China market or even you know really trying to learn what's going on product or market wise. And I think China market mm. is just so exciting and I've been meeting so many hardworking and mm. such smart, smart Chinese entrepreneurs. I think I think China tech is uh, have a has a really bright future. So, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that, that we're doing, we're doing the podcast. Um, cause I think that, that, I think it, it, that, that information asymmetry is, is really kind of interesting because it, it reminds me of, you know, um, that that show dog dog whisperer um, on on American television that I used to watch sometimes in university and you know the the trainer would always I forget his name now would always talk about how you know alpha alpha dogs the leaders of the pack they they always right. ignore the other dogs and I think that that that's that it's a similar analogy can be applied to um, you know what the United States in general and and China. Um, this idea that you know we have so much going on here, and what's going on here is so important, and you know we're we're so much better that we don't need to pay attention to 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 China or, or perhaps even other parts of the world.
2: Yep, yep, completely agree. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, to be fair, I mean, like I, I, on the other side, so argue the other way, I would say, you know, how much do we know about the India market? You know, right. there's there's, there's, right. there's huge markets every, in other parts of the world that we're completely ignorant of, or or, or South America as another example. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty tough to be, you know, to keep on top. A lot of people, obviously, your home market is where you're going to have your focus. It's going to be the one you understand best, and yeah. so it does take a lot of energy to like really understand products from another culture. So. Uh, yeah yeah there is a i understand it to some degree but um, even so i think it's uh, it's it's there is a big difference and uh, that that difference needs to uh, won't be there in a couple of years i guess mm.
2: yeah well, hope not and, and one of the thing that i would like to support and promote more is not necessarily like a generic china versus us but instead focus on different vertical or industries because you know Technology is a universal language, and mm-hmm. regardless, is AI or autonomous cars or blockchain or in gaming, there. If you are a great game developers, you get respect. Doesn't matter where you go. Um, same case for AI. Same case for blockchain. I think it's a matter of like promoting and focus more on the talent around the world rather than hey, you know, this is where they from or they're from. We we right. shouldn't. Technology doesn't discriminate. We do. And (laughs) and we should focus on the tech and build something cool. And that's this is what startup is all about, right? Mm.
0: So I guess I mean looking looking at uh, looking at looking at China, I mean, so what's your what's your what's your or five hundred startups focus when it comes to to China, the China market right now?
2: Yeah, um, and one thing I'm really excited about is definitely blockchain. And there have been some really interesting movement. Um, started with about nine months ago, I met um, a, a guy, his name uh, Hitters. And one of my old colleagues from Dolphin uh, is his co-founder and CTO. And when I first met him, I mean, I just, I bought like a few Bitcoin like five years ago, but that like, really didn't like, make me an expert at all. Uh, when I met Hitters and Robin, Uh, He kept explaining to me that, hey, the guy I started this other project called, um, now it's called NEO, Uh, it used to be called Mm. Ensure. It's basically Ethereum of China. That's the positioning. And and when I met him, I didn't really understand what he was talking about until uh, I came back to the valley. I come back pretty often just to sort of hang out and check in with some of my friends and and usually, some of the local VCs would ask me what's happening in China, and I told I told one of them I said, "Oh, I met this um, Chinese entrepreneur. who's, you know want to build a blockchain search platform, decentralized search platform, and he started uh, this other project called AntShares." And my American um, investor friends got so excited that you have to work with this team, and. And then I realized it's because he invested in their token and increased it, I don't know, like 20 or 40x in two months. And and then I realized, wow, you know, I asked him, how did you actually even find out about this? And he goes, oh, I I, uh, I found it on Reddit and Google translated it. And that's how I <laughs> bought the token. And I just, is so astonished to me, the fact that, wow, you know, now there are... Some like not a, a lot, but there are a handful of investors, uh, n- non-Chinese, are have a lot of appreciation for certain technology that come out from China, regardless if it's blockchain or AI. And frankly, I actually think that you know there there's no difference really in terms of their level of proficiency, and in some way they're even greater, I think, than a lot of the Americans I have met. And i am actually been spending the last six months really wanting to learn as much as I can um, to help Chinese blockchain uh, projects to to build international brands from day one. And this is something that I will continue to focus on at least you know, the early part of uh, 2018. I think it's just something super exciting. And and surprisingly, most of the Chinese teams are also very open. They know that you know this is not something... Like if you're working on you know, gaming or if you're working on e commerce, most of the most of these teams, a the Chinese team wouldn't even bother to think about overseas market. But but for blockchain related projects, they from day one they they think super global and international. Like they, they wanted to build just to start like their website even the Chinese and English at the same time. So I just love the energy and and the fact that they are so global-minded, and that will be definitely my focus for twenty eighteen.
1: Hmm, okay, that sounds really cool, actually. So, what does your typical day, typical day look like, then, Edith? If that's your your focus. Uh, my typical day. Did you?
2: Oh. Yeah. My yeah. typical day. Um. Recently, I'm I started working on a uh, a token blockchain uh, track. Actually, in in the Valley where we're running that in March. So I've been literally looking at reading a lot of white paper, talking to a lot of many, many uh, blockchain teams, regardless is um, China, US. And in fact, a little bit the other way around, a lot of the non-Chinese uh, projects are also super interested in China market. Um, so, a lot of, many, many, a lot of, spent a lot of time reading and a lot of time interviewing teams and just super, super fun. I, I actually, I feel like I'm back in college again because there's super technical things that I, mean, I need to learn and pull, pulling in a lot more cryptography uh, and blockchain experts to come help us uh, in reviewing all these deals. So, been, been really, really fun and challenging.
1: Right, right, I still haven't really got my head around blockchain fully. I think John, you're a lot more bullish on it than, than I am. Um, how long did it take you to get your head around blockchain? You think, Edith? I mean, have you have you think you fully uh, got a grasp of this technology? I
2: think that I'm barely crypto fluent, but I'm definitely <laughs> not crypto native, and I I found myself sitting in some so the type of project that I'm looking for are not. To application level, I think blockchain. There's so many infrastructure uh, challenges, um, particular security, scalability, privacy, identity. There's a lot of things that more core on chain, off chain type projects that the like the whole ecosystem need to fix to continue to grow. So. Um, and those level of projects are super technical, and I have to say I'm bringing in a lot of developers to help me to evaluate some of these. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I, I don't know what they're talking about either. But hey, you know, as, as I'm growing my vocabulary, um, I'm feeling better better day by day. But there's a lot of new things to learn, and it's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and I and I wouldn't say that I'm 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 bullish. Um, I mean, it depends on. It, I mean, I guess there's it's a it's a spectrum, right? I mean, I think that um, that I mean, what we're seeing right now is it's it's all it's all speculation. Most of it's speculation, and there are a few good companies, a few good projects um, out there, but a lot of the attention is going to the ICOs and, and, and the 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 price of an individual token or an individual uh, coin, right? I think that blockchain is a technology. It's super promising, and and Edith, I really like those terms that you just use. You know, crypto fluent and crypto native. Um, like it's it's kind of funny thinking about it in terms of of, of a new language because it really is. And I would say that I'm I'm somewhere below fluency. That's that's for sure. You know, I, I talk with um, uh, blockchain companies um, every once in a while, and and most of the time I th- I come in. I'm like, okay, I kind of know what they're doing. Or, um, I kind of understand what's, what's happening in the space right now. Mm-hmm. And I talk with them and they, and, you know, they just drop all these, all these knowledge bombs on me and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's, there's, <laughs> there's so much, there's so much going on. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's so much that, that I think that so many, like including myself, so many people do not really understand. And that's kind of, that's kind of my question as well. I mean, like, you know, when we're looking at a lot of these projects, I mean, how much do the people developing them really understand kind of the technology or, what they're doing yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> well um so i actually find myself and back to your original question earlier on like how do i spend my day other than reading and understanding the technology or like the, mm-hmm. the whole thesis of why why by the way there's a lot of bullshit projects that don't really have nothing to do with blockchain or trying to do token sale and just anyway there's a lot of scam alert going on these days but I think that the key thing is to evaluate the team. So I, I found myself spending a lot of time look, looking at GitHub, really like checking out backgrounds for, for specific people, regardless is on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on on Telegram, on Reddit. There are a lot of discussion you know, talking about various people and what they have done, and yeah, many of them have no idea what they're talking about, and. And to be crypto native, really, you, you need to be technical. And I found there are a lot of projects actually have nothing to do with blockchain and they're trying to because there's a is a bubble right now in terms of ICO. But I think the true the, the part that is I think is exciting is, is the more like, more infrastructure protocol level projects, because the whole essence of why ICO even exists to begin with is because they want to have these tokens to incentivize developers to continue to contribute code base and provide resources to make a protocol better. So that's how developers, you know, if they can't, you know, I, I, I used to be a mobile developers. If you if you put an app on iOS and Android, you don't make money from day one. In fact, you need to spend a lot of marketing dollar to be able to monetize. But with this, the whole this concept is exciting because really I think is a is basically open source meet capitalism from day one, and you mon the developers are excited because they monetize via token with their work. So that's sort of the the original intent for ICOs. And now all the other projects are trying the ICOs because it's such a big bubble. But I think the, 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 the true projects, um, the only one will remain other one that have pure developer and technology intent to make a better ecosystem. Um, anyway, I, I, I'm like working on a presentation, particular for crypto um, investing. And I just, I'm looking at all these projects. There's over 1,500 uh, token um, being listed around the world right now. And many, 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 many of them are bullshit. And so I'm basically trying to put together a whole scam alert checklist for everybody. So we don't you know, go into, I'm spending way too much time like analyzing these projects. So that's what I do all day long. Could,
1: could you uh, let us know what are, what are some of your
2: um, many warning signs, uh, but to start, regardless of all the various different platforms I mentioned earlier to check out people's background, um, regardless on the white paper, on, the, and on their website, on various different places, to start, the number one thing is to figure out what is, what's the purpose for this particular token? And by the way, the, there's a lot of concept, let's say um, a gaming token. Like, you guys know better than most people that you know show or yy these sort of virtual goods concept been around for 10 plus years you don't need blockchain for that right mm. so even though there are some tokenized ideas that may seem mm. relevant many of them actually doesn't really matter they don't need blockchain for that so therefore their token design a lot of times have nothing um to do with like why you use blockchain so that's the number one thing like I think everybody should look at. And then the actual token allocation, um, which means that if they are raising, let's say $20 million and 100% um, of these proceeds is basically that go back to the team, right? They they don't really, the token allocation, don't think about the developer community or sort of future economic design, then they're here just to, you know, trying to raise money just for themselves. And then um, I, I hate seeing all these celebrities endorsing um, <laughs> various different token projects. That's a huge scam alert. Um, and then sometimes I even found there are certain uh, um, hackers who will spoof, um, if there's a token project going on, they will actually get a different domain extension and then pretend to be a project but really is not and start taking money. So anyway there are many like, small little things that you know as, as you're looking at, at more of these projects then you will find out wow there's really a lot of scam out there. Um, but I I found you know the true the good projects, great projects are usually you know run by folks that you know been in the blockchain space for a long time that already have contribute open source. When you run run these code on GitHub it actually works. Um So there's definitely like a lot of things to do that to help everybody to evaluate good projects.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think that, um, you know, looking, looking at, you know, does, does this problem actually need blockchain, I think is, is perhaps um, a really, I mean, it's, it's a really important question. Um, I was talking with a, um, with someone from a chain the other day, they're, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to make a, um, an infrastructure, um, an infrastructure uh, protocol, basically, um, and it's it's funny because you know the, uh, someone was telling me that you know they they've been going to a lot of different uh, conferences recently, uh, presenting presenting themselves, their ideas, and, and things like that. And then he told me a story about how they they had a booth at one of these conferences, and someone comes up to him and says, you know, I I really want your want your help with with what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I really hope that that blockchain can 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 help me and 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 they say, well what are you what are you trying to do and he's like well i'm trying to sell i'm trying to sell breast milk from america <laughs> it's, like, it's like what like <laughs> your problems are a lot bigger than blockchain <laughs> oh my God. Oh my.
1: yeah well, even the recent talk of uh, you know facebook using blockchain or crypto or like trying to explore i i, I to me that just I, I just don't see how it could add value. Where's, where's that going to add value to Facebook in the same way as like we're just talking about YY or, or Show?
2: Yeah. Like there's no need for YY or Show to ever do a, like an ICO because blockchain will only slow them down. And because the infrastructure is not quite there yet to support like high volume and transaction. And Anyway, I, I think that right now is definitely a bubble, and I'm still excited regardless about the, the promises that the blockchain technology can bring to the world, and and it's not it's not a bad thing as you know the different. I, I believe like 2018, there will be more compliance, more regulations. I think the the future of crypto is beyond just Bitcoin. It's, it's really about the technology promises, I think, is very exciting, but there's just so a lot of infrastructure level projects um, need to be in place to improve to get to the point where this can really, you know, up and running. The way that I look at look at it, which is also like a hot topic in in China too and in US, is like all the AI, all, all the artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, deep learning. These are all really cool tech that is not added. Is not. Like B2C level type use cases, yet most of them are still B2B. And I, I think that is the same case for blockchain, which I think some of these projects this year, hopefully, you will see not just because they raise a lot of money, is really they, they form some meaningful partnership and have good use cases um, that built on their protocol. Now, then we're talking, right? Otherwise, I'm, I'm worried that it will be more just more hype. But this is not not you know this vertical should be about this industry should be about building building some meaningful tech and push it forward. So so,
0: so I'm, I mean I, so I guess you know when you're when you're talking about you know kind of these 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 areas that that you're focusing on, um, are, are you looking mostly at startups from China or are you looking at kind of a broader area?
2: Um, I look at teams outside China as well, but I particularly have affinity wanted to help Chinese teams to go. Uh, international. And you know five hundred and myself is there's a lot of amazing um, investor in China. I think that our our competitive advantage is definitely we have a lot of you know hands- on uh, like operator mindset when, he, when when we invest. So I don't work with a lot of team in in China, but the handful of teams that we have the pleasure to invest and get involved with are just super savvy. Chinese entrepreneurs that regardless is Agora, um, which is um, basically a video streaming as a service out of Shanghai, Taskbox uh, out of Beijing, they're actually a, a for, for US market, but all Chinese team, um, and plus Nebulous, another blockchain team out of Beijing. They're all just really amazing people that so hardworking. And it's not 996, it's actually 997. They work all the time. And, and I work, I, so Chinese New <laughs> Year is coming, right? I'm staying in this, I don't, right. I, I, I love working, so I don't want to like stay in China when nobody's working. So I, I'm in the States just this couple of weeks. And whenever, doesn't matter what time of the day, I message any of my CEOs and teams. On WeChat, they were answering me like right away. They don't sleep; they just work all the time. I'm mean, just, it's, it's so impressed. Um, anyway, super inspired by these all these guys, and I, I hope to see more and, and look forward with you know working with more and more you know, Chinese CEOs that want to go global.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. I think uh, there's there's an increasing number there. So, do you have um you know, if, you know how's do you have freedom to invest in what you want? How does that process work when you identify a company that you're interested in, in China?
2: Uh, yeah, we actually have um, quite quite a bit of freedom. But first off, you know, 500 because we do early stage investments. And and one of the reasons why I'm forcing myself to be more crypto fluent and hopefully na- native one day is because <laughs> if we do, do early stage investment, we have to be sort of in the cutting edge in terms of new trends, new technology trends. If I'm investing in another music app or another e-commerce app in China or U.S., it's too late. I I really should be doing growth stage investment with the 100 100 million, 200 million check size, right? But for us, because we're early, um, so we found ourselves, you know, um, each of the partners within five hundred will usually pick one or two sort of main theme to focus on, and become the expert of it. Then that's how you you know be able to source and be able to you know kind of compete compete for the right deals, right? Otherwise, if I don't know what I'm talking about, there's no way I will be able to help any of these blockchain CEOs to to get to what they want. And so, but if I'm looking at And I say healthcare, that's not my domain expertise. And so usually I will pull in um, our healthcare experts within the firm to help us to look at different deals. So, so yeah, that's how we usually work. I mean, quite a bit of freedom, but, but definitely need to keep, need to continue to keep learning. So.
0: Cool. Um. So I guess that, that's that's kind of, so when you're looking at, um, so what 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 other regional areas are, are you active in? I mean, Hong Kong, Southeast Asia?
2: Yeah, we are, other than Silicon Valley, we are very active in Southeast Asia. Uh, we have team in Singapore, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, um, Malaysia, just many, many of these countries. And then uh, Japan and Korea, we also have teams there. And then... I would say around the world, Israel, London, Berlin, Brazil, Mexico, um, we have you know, a team in all these places. So we try, all the partners try to compare notes uh, as much as possible. And sometimes when we come into sort of blockchain or AI type these big topic, this is really a world phenomenon. Uh, although I still feel that the most technical um, teams, I still find it mostly from the Valley, China and Israel, other three places where I, I think Southeast Asia tends to follow what China is doing and Korea and and Japan's team usually sort of stay in their own economy. Um, so th- different, different ecosystems have their own characteristics, which I found it fascinating because every time I got the chance to speak with other other partners around the world they all have their unique perspective and, and it's just fascinating to learn what's going on in all these different you know pockets mm. in the world mm.
0: so I guess I mean like you know when you're when we're looking at you know China and, and kind of kind of the the, the the Asia East Asia Southeast Asia region I mean like you know one of the one of the big stories of 2017 and then coming into 2018 is um, you know going into China Chinese companies going into Southeast Asia. Um, so I'm, yep. I'm curious, what's what's been your experience of that, and then what are, what do you think are some challenges going between China and Southeast Asia, either either inbound to China or 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 uh, outbound to, to Southeast Asia?
2: Uh, I I have to share a story with you guys. I I never forgot. So I went to Vietnam a few years ago uh, on behalf of Dolphin, and at the time wanted to strike some local partnership. And I very, very I have a few local friends were really, really helpful and introduced me to a really large local conglomerate. And I never felt I never realized that, you know, sometimes doing tech business could be so political. And the pers- that person literally asked me, Are you from China? And I said, I'm obviously Chinese, but we have teams in China and in, in the US. And and he goes, If you're Chinese, I can't really work with you guys. And and I was so shocked. I said, Why? Said, because uh, Chinese government just trying to invade some island at the time and all the all the young people was, was at the time boycotting WeChat and they literally like lost like a million in install base overnight. <laughs> Because I can't work with Chinese teams, I was so shocked. So, so this is sort of unique, I guess, um, for a Vietnam case. But I think that for the rest of Southeast Asia, regardless is Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia. Uh, obviously, a lot of teams usually set up in Singapore. I found there's certain behavior are quite similar um, compared to Southeast Asia and China, regardless is gaming. Uh, or like shopping, um, there's just a lot of similarity. I think like because sort of the, the, the Chinese, so the, the China route, there's a lot of local Chinese in this different Southeast Asia countries uh, are driving a lot of these trends. So many of them actually speak Mandarin as well. So I've been meeting teams also in, in Southeast Asia, that have quite a strong tie and connection with sort of their counterpart um, in, in China, um, particularly related to gaming and uh, uh, video streaming, sort of similar to YY. There's many versions of that in Southeast Asia. And many of their early investors are actually some of these players um, in in China. Um, as you guys notice, uh, that Alibaba and Tencent both are very, quite active now investing and also acquiring companies in Southeast Asia, I think this will continue and will only go stronger um, because there's a lot of marketing and product similarity and user similarity, uh, much more so, honestly, than China and US. Um, So, yeah, I'm really excited about that particular connection. I think there's definitely more and more uh, of these investment and and LMA activities to come
0: but do you do you see it mostly being like outbound into Southeast Asia like China to to Southeast Asia, or do you do you see it uh, the reverse um, occurring as well?
2: I, I see more more not necessarily outbound, but there's some outbound. I think there's quite a few gaming companies are are quite active in Southeast Asia. Mm. Um, but for a Southeast Asian entrepreneur to come into China is very difficult, Mo- mostly because of language. And, and the way how marketing work. So if I'm working on a mobile app, literally, like most is an Android Play, right? And there are so many third-party app store in China. There's no Google Play, and to to get you know, feature or or submit your app and everything is pretty much all in Chinese. It's very difficult for Southeast Asian entrepreneurs to go into China. Vice versa, I think is a lot more simpler. Um, I think other than China, everywhere in the world, is if you're working on mobile, it's pretty much iOS and Android. And that's all you have to deal with. And it's a lot easier. So what I found is probably more Chinese investors getting more and more active in Southeast Asia and, um, and do a lot of sharing and bring down, actually, on how you monetize, how you do marketing, things that they learn in China market and sort of and share with their local Southeast Asian um, founders to learn from the Chinese way but sort of adapt it for local market. I see a lot more of that rather than Southeast Asian going to China is it's a little bit, it's more the outbound rather than inbound.
1: Yeah, I would go along with that. I think that yeah, makes, that no. all makes total sense. Yeah,
2: China market is not easy. A <laughs> lot of
1: <work>. No, no. a <laughs> Yeah. It's really not, it's really not. Yeah, it's very overwhelming, I think, for people coming in fresh, very overwhelming.
2: Yeah, and, and I think the best analogy, I love John was making the analogy earlier, is, you know, China market is basically, if you've never driven a car before, working in China is driving a stick shift on a slippy slope, and once you master that, everywhere you go, it's just so easy.
1: Right, well, that's it's
2: like drawing an automatic on a flat
1: one. Right. There's another metaphor about something about in the Chinese startups are used to being in the desert or something like that. I forget. Um, uh-huh. so it's like basically China's a desert, but then you go everywhere else and it's kind of like a little bit better. So for them, it's like amazing. Or like like a um, <laughs> those runners in Africa <laughs> yeah. who live at like high altitude, right? So live where the air is really really thin and there's low oxygen. So that's like China, and then when they come down to like do a marathon in in a like San Francisco, it's like oh my god, it's so <laughs> there's oxygen everywhere. It's so easy. Yep,
2: yep, yep. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's just there's a lot of things that we all need to learn from Chinese entrepreneurs and Chinese investors. Um, but hopefully, you know, I don't want to discourage like everyone. They say don't go. It, it's just that. It, because it is language wise and the way, basically, the product, marketing, and just people, the way all three of these areas are, are different. And if there's a will, there's always a way. But I found that usually for companies a little bit later stage, if they want to go into China, not for early stage in companies. Mm. Um, because you do need a lot of people, yeah. and very likely you have to redo your product. To fit in the market, and and funding is actually the least of the problem. There's plenty of money, um, but the U.S. or to China story, there's not a whole lot of very successful use, you know, use cases from to to learn from. So it scares a lot of people. I, I do think it could work, right? But it's right. I mean, like a an Apple,
0: basically, <laughs> and they're 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 still having problems. <laughs>
2: Right. Right. And they're definitely not short of money. So um yeah, it's definitely not sort of thing the heart but but I do I'm very excited about the market. It's you really need to think about um, my suggestion is probably not be the mm. C super consumer focused product. Um, especially for software, it's much harder. I think I think sort of the the super technical things like autonomous car, AI, blockchain, these are universe, universal languages that, that that doesn't matter, right, what country you're in. That I found m- more likely. And, and usually the locals are super, like, they welcome because these are so deep tech. They need the talent. They need the support. So I'm quite optimistic in, in those areas um, for outside going to China market. But if it's consumer-focused, too early stage,
0: Right, and that and that, that, that plays in with what it. you were saying, especially about about blockchain. You know, looking at infrastructure projects versus um, you know uh, wide user bases and uh, like two C kind of blockchain products. Um, and I and, and I think that I think that's actually super interesting. Yep. You know, because I was when we were talking about blockchain earlier. Um, it does it does feel like I mean as you were saying with blockchain AI, autonomous driving um, and, and things like that that there is this sense of of I wouldn't say equity but 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 parity between China and, and the rest of the world where finally I mean quote unquote finally um, China is kind of on on even ground. Um, obviously the, the competitive advantages are a little bit different. Uh, the competencies are, are a little bit different. Um, but number one, that's a good thing. Um, number two, China, China's, what China does have is good enough, is desirable enough that, that people want to engage in that, in that conversation and that Chinese entrepreneurs themselves are ready to do so a, as well, which I think is, is, is really, yes. uh, I mean, it, it's amazing to see that, that China is kind of on, on a similar, similar footing now.
2: You know, you know, it's very exciting to see. And and on top of that, I think now um, some of these projects are run by millennials and they're young. And they grew up, you know, knowing that, oh, there's Google and Facebook, Twitter, even though they may not be able to access it, they're aware of it. And I found, you know, the 20-something or early 30s in China are very open-minded. They want to learn. They know, and also they... Um, they, they're really self aware that they're not good at it and they want they want coaching and they want help and and that's hard harder to do like if you're already super successful in China um, for the last generation it's tougher for, for older people to adapt so anyway that's how I main, maintain my my youthfulness is to hang out as many young people as possible <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah, a lot of the founders in in China are super young and the teams mm-hmm. are really, really young. It's quite impressive.
2: Yeah. And they're so smart and I'm just so impressed. And I'm completely okay to just make I, I hopefully like this year I have an, at least another dozen of millennial friends so that I can absorb as much as a new lingo as possible.
1: Um, I think we've got two areas which are a little I haven't really got a segue into them they they kind of different topics but we haven't i guess talked more broadly about the wider vc industry so in in china Edith, what would you say are like the you you're obviously focusing on blockchain as we've just been talking about um but what would you say are the other are are other super hot areas right now what are most people focusing on in in the vc community in china
2: um i think the vc community been either <laughs> either doing at least some of my friends much later stage uh, investment like total or gaming things that is not necessarily new but they are going to later and later stage Um, i was just looking at this news today um, that tencent is investing in over 400 million into shanda um, and this is like for pre-ipo deals so some of my friends are doing like huge deals like $100 million plus but those are for um, I don't know how to say it in, in English but sort of the increase sort of the consumer
1: the consumption upgrade that's right uh, I think it
2: that's right yeah. consumption upgrade um, so that will continue to do, go strong I think for early stage um, definitely the blockchain AI autonomous cars um, these are things that you know, it's, it's not just for China. I think worldwide, a lot of the VCs are paying attention to. Um, and then I think China also media is quite strong. That just in general, like looking at media related projects, I think like movies, um, gaming. I, I think VR have died down quite a bit uh, compared to a couple of years ago. But just content mm-hmm. like is is. Now I, I feel like the Chinese consumers are not like five years ago, they're willing to pay. Um, and so apps like Himalaya uh, or what's like these are like all these learning content, people are willing to pay and they make a lot of money. So I think that will continue to go strong. And then also, I see more and more vertical um, focused fund, uh, let's say education, uh, it's still going really, really strong. In addition to Tao or New Oriental, they are very active, <coughs> investing in things that in like within their ecosystem, sort of to help their 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 traditional business to increase our proof for the existing users. I see more of that, um, but yeah, they're more and more vertical, like driven fund. That I think regardless is from the corporate VC or or even for the tier one VCs, they, they wanted to go into more specialized like healthcare, for example, there's a handful of funds that are really specific on healthcare and, and they appreciate the fact that the, these experts understand if, how the business works for a specific vertical. Um, so I'm excited about that. Like these, these are healthcare and education are huge challenges and problems in China and definitely needs special attention. I think that, it's really good to see more and more of these.
1: Yeah, I think there was a um, good article on TechNode just today or yesterday about uh, the sort of healthcare area for Tencent, and one of the interesting points was, you know, combined with AI, uh, they believe there's a lot of low-hanging yep. fruit uh, in that area. Yep. Yeah, yep.
0: I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, you look at you look at the problems of of um, healthcare in China. And even even just a little bit of technology, you introduce a little bit of technology, and you're going to see great improvements uh, across the board. And and it's, so it's really kind of cool to see um, Tencent getting into that. Um, but then also, you know, the, the Chinese government they've been pretty um, they've been welcoming to private public partnerships, as, as as they put it. And it, and it looks like uh, Technote is uh, excuse me, not uh, <laughs> It looks like uh, Tencent is um, is one of their one of their bigger partners in that area
2: yeah and another part that i'm very excited particularly relates to ai for healthcare or ai for education is that i think chinese government plus a lot of the chinese conglomerate are a lot more surprisingly easier to, i think easier to work with than the us counterpart it gets so difficult to get any healthcare data in the us forget about it. but i think if if a chinese government willing to behind let's say bgi genomics for example you gets so much government support over the years and now last i think last year or the year before they went public it's just something that if the chinese government wanted to support certain things it will happen and i think compared yep. to the rest of the world most of those governments are not that strong and they don't have the foresight just looking at the u.s you know now and uh, and that's so not the case in China. China, the Chinese government, is so strong and and they are, they are really good for, uh, big data, AI, blockchain, the technology, the future. It's just a really really good thing to see, actually.
1: Well, for sure, AI. I mean, it seems like the totally anything AI, the government will support almost. Uh, blockchain, though, I mean, we've seen some legislation in this area, which sort of indicates that. You know, certainly on cryptocurrencies that the government's less, you know, less uh, welcoming, yeah, shall I, we say. I,
2: I want to separate the, the crypto versus blockchain. I think many of the governments, a Chinese government's department or, uh, or Ali uh, Alibaba, they welcome blockchain technology, um, not crypto. So I think the technology itself right. funded with this massive volume of data it will be interesting to see how it all worked out. But I think, I think, um, yeah, so just a slight difference there. But it's exciting to see. I I think that, you know, there's a joke going on. Well, at least I think it's funny, but it's not funny for some people. The Chinese government is run by engineers. The American government is run by lawyers. Yeah. And and, uh, (laughs) it's it's just, you know, I, I think a really good thing to see there's so much technology advancement that now come from china um and we'll see more and more so i'm super excited about that
1: can we just squeeze in that last question because i'm just really interested about what you're going to say edith like it's, it's not actually related to what i've been talking about but the last one i had was like just about mobile products because you know you've got experience there with dolphin browser um and so I think you might have some insights into like the sort of broad differences that you find most interesting comparing like Chinese and U S product teams, uh, especially yeah, in terms of mobile.
2: Many, many, there's, there's many differences, but I think in terms of mobile, um, in general, as I mentioned earlier, I think that, you know, first start with people. Um, Chinese teams are amazingly hardworking and work really, really fast. I, I've, I found that a lot of teams in the U.S. is not that they don't want to work fast, but they usually are very critical on analytics and they plan a little bit more. Um, of course, you want to move fast and break things, but I found that Chinese work ten times faster than the U.S. team that I see. Um, and then also related to the product itself, there is a big difference. I don't, I don't know if it's obvious to everyone. Is um, a lot of the just the, the the mark the Chinese market itself for mobile users, a large portion of them are not as sophisticated or educated uh, compared to the US. So, which leads to when the product team design a Chinese mobile product, a lot of times you would start with looking at something that you felt like, oh my god, how come how can you cramp a thousand things on the same screen versus that in the US most of the apps is like one app do one thing. Um, an app like WeChat like, never, it doesn't exist. I don't think it will ever exist in, in outside of China because it's like one mega app that do many, many things. And in the US it's all about simplicity. I do this one thing on this one app I do another thing on this other app. So that's why there's a whole thing of like deep linking earlier in the States, but it doesn't exist in China. It's everything in one place. You, you start to see, you can pretty much do everything on WeChat, um, that's that. And then, and then also monetization. Um, I, I found Chinese mobile app a lot more aggressive in terms of monetize, monetization compared to the US. I think there's a lot of things that the, the Americans can learn from from China and just, just as simple as that. What like we mentioned earlier, like Kuaishou, YY, Liu Jianfang, or MoMo. Like they, or MoMo, I guess more recent. But the other video streaming app, really, the, the the US is copying China in terms of virtual goods and how all these things work. It didn't come from the US. Um, so anyway, th- these are just a few examples that I see um, in terms of sort of product, people, market, and as I mentioned earlier, also, is very complicated to promote a mobile app in in China. There's so many third-party app stores. And many of them will want you, as an app developer, to implement their own payment system. So can you imagine, in addition to Android and iOS, you have to implement at least five to ten other payment systems and talk with all these neuro- Uh, app store owner to try editors and figure out to get features a lot of work Um, and so the marketing team uh, is usually a much bigger marketing team that you see uh, for mobile team in China versus US Um, yeah so that's sort of the few area I found in terms of differences and and that's why most of my teams in US I don't encourage them to come from China uh, to go to China at all and the other way around, I think, for a Chinese team to go overseas, they actually found it so much easier uh, in the U.S., particularly with marketing. But yet sometimes they have a problem with product market fit just because the user behavior is different. So um, well, I think we just need to continue to learn from each other regardless of product, market, hiring, and with the right people. Um, just a lot of work when you go overseas, regardless of where you go inbound or outbound.
1: Yeah, I was listening to an interview from, um, I think, it was someone from Baidu saying that the product teams in China are like a lot more philosophical about how they approach their product and the and the choices they make um, with regard to, you know, what's in there and how, how people are using it. Do you have any insight into, any comment to add to that kind of uh, thought about how, they approach their, their product in China? Is there, Do you see there's a sort of difference in the way they think about it?
2: I, I think that, I think, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that the BAT of the world also hire really, really good people in the US. Um, what I see quite a bit is when there is any Chinese, Chinese companies hire local people in the US and, and say that they are global, I have to say a good product team or product manager, regardless of your Chinese or, or U.S., are very philosophical and very methodical about every single thing they do. Because a good product manager is really about you know, continue to test and you know, try out a lot of different things and talk to as many users and see how they... I think the number one most important thing for a product manager is not, it's actually not about increasing install is about keeping engaged user to be more engaged to spend as much time on your app as possible and be super thoughtful about every single part of feature you create and i found that a lot of the chinese companies are not able to hire good product managers in the u.s because the good ones would rather work in apple google facebook twitter and and it's very quite difficult actually um, to work with engineering team or product team in a different country. So, and end and up that a lot of, and honestly, even some of my own team, my own teams that I have invested in, when they come to the U.S., um, I, fa- I just found them they're having a very hard time to hire top-tier talent, particular on, on product managers. So when they hire somebody who's not as top tier. And they will find mm, their feedback is not that great, or they just give more a little bit superficial response when they ask about product. I, I think it's all it's a people problem uh, rather than like how you approach product. I think it's very difficult to find good product manager not let alone that being a foreign company and trying to hire top-notch teams is not easy.
0: Well, Edith, again, thank, thank you so much for for taking the time to join us. I mean, it was, uh, it was a fascinating um, look at uh, a lot of different things and it's always good to catch up with you as well.
2: Yeah, great. Great chatting with you, John. And I'm looking forward to meeting more awesome blockchain AI companies from China. <laughs>
0: so yeah, Edith, I'm um, actually, before we do go, um, if people do want to get in touch with you, where, where can they find you?
2: I am, since our, I assume our, uh, I, all my audience in listening to an English podcast, you want to explore China. So probably WeChat will be the easiest. Uh, my WeChat ID is E-D-I-T-H-Y-E-U-N-G and I'm very open to chat about you know, China tech market all day long. Um, so I look forward to chatting with you guys
0: perfect perfect and we'll we'll include that in the show notes and to our listeners if you enjoyed this episode we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on itunes and if you're on Pocket Cast or overcast uh, you can just uh, tap on that star button and it will recommend this episode to your network alternatively if you want to uh, give us some feedback directly you can find links to our social profiles in the show notes